were just singing that, you know, that we are the um, God's people, we're the, the sheep of his flock, he's our shepherd, and the last, uh, really last six weeks we've been you know, just exploring together and walking through what it, it means for us to, to be with one another in Christ. Uh, to, to be his flock. What does that look like? How, how, does, how do we live into that on this journey together that we, God has um, arranged things so that we need him and we need one another? Um, that we are not um, uh, uh, just individuals on our own path, but we are a team. We, we are a people. We are his flock. Um, uh, together under him, and, and that it is a dangerous journey that we're on. It, it is a, a dangerous mission that he's called us to, one that involves life and death, literally and spiritually. So um, in the first service, Helen Eicholtz and Tink Linder shared a little bit of their relationship with one another. They've known each other for, for a long time as uh, members of the church together. And they're going to share with us uh, via um, uh, tape recording uh, in the second service. And there's a Tink. Tink's the one on your left and uh, Helen the one on um, your right when they were um, speaking in first service. So this will tell a, a little bit of their story together with particularly uh, an event that happened in September that was part of their just regular um, checking in on one another that truly was a life and death situation where they're one anothering on this journey led um, to life. I'm Tink Linder. I'm Helen Eichholz. Tink and I would like to share with you about the power of friendship and the greatness of our God. Helen and I have been friends for many years. We decided several years ago to call each other on Sunday mornings if one of us was not in church. I usually call Helen after I eat breakfast. Helen was not in church on Sunday, September the 14th. On Saturday, September the 13th, I had decided to fix a wreath on our side fence. I had not been feeling well all week, but decided to do it anyway. When I finished, I was a dirty mess and decided to take a shower. It was about 5 o'clock. From that moment on, Friendship and God took over. I remember very little about what happened. I decided to take, when I, after I took the shower, I don't remember falling in the bathroom, but I do remember landing. I hit my head and passed out. When I came to, I was lying face down on the bathroom floor. I was able to roll over and sit up. I tried to stand, but I couldn't. I thought I was in a wooden box with a door. I knew I had to find the door to get out of the box. There were no lights in the bathroom. I was able to get on my hands and knees and crawled around feeling for the door. I remember calling out to God, you really have to help me, God, I can't find the door. I don't know if it happened immediately 
or if I had passed out again. But I found the doorknob, and I pulled myself up. It was the door to the outside. I opened it, and there was light. It was very early in the morning. I had spent the night in the bathroom with blood everywhere. The door to the bedroom and the light switch were on the another wall. I could barely stand or walk, but I made it to the bedroom door. I put the lights on and I opened the door. I saw my bed and I passed. Well, I lost my place. I saw my bed. Just, <laughs> just. Just then, inside my head, I heard one word, run. Without hesitation, I took off, leaving bloody footprints on the carpet. I made it to the bed and passed out. Folks have asked me if I thought the word run was God's voice. I've felt God's urging many times. I would like to believe I heard God's voice clearly. The voice I heard was a neutral voice, neither male nor female. I do believe it was God's voice. I awoke at 11 o'clock and prayed, Oh God, please don't let Tink make breakfast today. How I knew that it was Sunday is a mystery to me. On Sunday, the 14th, after church, I helped Johnny do some errands and arrived home about noon. When I stepped into the kitchen, I had a feeling of urgency. I felt I should call Helen right away. I usually fix breakfast first thing when I get home, but I really felt the need to call her right away, so I did. Helen answered the phone. I could hardly hear her. Helen, what's wrong? She sounded so weak, and she said, Oh, Tink, thank God you called. I knew you would. I was just waiting for your call. She said, I need help. There's blood all over the place. I said, Helen, I'm on my way, and I do know how to get into your house. I hurried as fast as I could over Jessup Road. When I arrived, the sight of Helen overwhelmed me. I had never seen someone so in need of help. I told Helen I was calling 911. Then I would call her daughter, Pam. I knew time was of the essence. 911 arrived quickly. When they took one look at Helen, they decided to wrap her in a warm blanket and get her to the emergency room as quickly as possible. Helen's son-in-law, Ken, arrived at the same time as 911 and followed them to the hospital. At Good Samaritan Hospital, the care provided to me by the nurses and doctors was wonderful. To me, wonderful to me. It seemed to me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I just got it. She changed some of the words in her thing. <laughs> uh, it seemed they were always pumping stuff in me. I received four units of blood along with lots of iron. I thank God for that care. I later learned from the doctor that I had a bleeding ulcer. It had been bleeding for several days. I also had a bloody nose from the fall in the bathroom. Because of the blood loss, I was in very bad shape. How blessed I am that Tink acted on God's urgings. 
The doctor told me that if Tink hadn't found me, I would have died. Thank be to God. Helen and I know that God had his hand in all of this, and we give God all the glory for Helen's survival. God used me. I didn't heal Helen. I, he just used me along the way. I just want to say that during this whole period of time when I'm trying to recuperate, you have taken care of me so well. I have received so many cards, and I know some of you right now are going through some difficult times, and yet you took the time to send cards to me and great letters. I usually, when I send a card, I say, love Helen, I'm praying for you. But you sent long letters of where you were and what you were doing. So I just want to tell you, you are a great bunch, and God has blessed you, and through blessing you, you've blessed me. I thank you very, very much. And by the way, I want you to know that Helen now wears a lifeline. She tells <laughs> Yeah, a uh, simple, practical, but clear example of we're on this journey that has life and death consequences in so many ways. And here is one where because of their relationship, their one anothering in Christ, um, Tink and Helen both, in, in hearing God's leading in their actions, um, really led to, uh, to life and, and avoided what could have been a horrific uh, tragedy. Uh, how much more so for us on our journey together, that it has life and death implications for us and our growth in Christ and for those outside the church who don't know Christ and may spend life and eternity um, without Him. Our mission together, our one anothering in Christ, is a dangerous yet eternally significant mission uh, together, illustrated um, with uh, Helen and Tink. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, as we uh, continue to, to hear your word, as we continue to, to apply it in our lives, speak to us. In those specific ways. And enable us in the power of your spirit to hear and to obey. And that we might lead to life for us in you. And life to those outside of this church. Outside of your church. To, to know you and to follow after you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Our first passage to look at this morning is in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting with verse 7. And I think as we read it, you'll hear almost the exact implication and application in what we just heard. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 7. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, the case of solitary individuals without sons or brothers, Yet there is no end to all their toil, and their eyes are never satisfied with riches. For whom am I toiling, they ask, and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity in an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, 
One will lift up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The journey we are on together with Jesus is dangerous, is challenging, is, is fraught with difficulty. And we need one another to help up. It is not if we fall, it is when we fall. Physically and spiritually and emotionally, we need one another. We, we, we face a battle against our own sin. I mean, our own selfishness, our own uh, de- penchant towards idolatry. We find anything to worship but God in the decisions of our lives. That is what is within us. And we need one another to, to help encourage and correct one another so that we follow after Christ. We, we, we live in a world, in a society, where there are the ways of the world, the, the, the norms of the world around us that are not in alignment with God's values, uh, with the ways of God's kingdom, with the way that God has created us to live. And we need one another to help each other along this arduous journey. And we face an enemy that we talked about several weeks ago. We, we face an enemy, the, the devil, who is at work. The, the spiritual powers of evil who are at work to oppose us. To oppose anything that God would want to happen. We need one another on this journey. We need one another in order to stay on task, on the mission that God has given us. It requires one another. The way God has designed it is that each one of us are a piece of the puzzle. Each one of us have particular unique gifts and abilities that God has given us for a number of purposes to fulfill this mission. It is necessary that we have each of those gifts participate. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, is Paul giving us this picture of the church. And this this way that that God has given us different gifts. Different people have different gifts and abilities, but they must come together. And and note here the the purpose that these gifts are given. Note what is to be accomplished on on this this mission that we have. So each of us have have been given certain gifts and abilities uh, to accomplish. This uh, Start with verse 11 of chapter 4 in Ephesians. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Here's the reason why. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. Until all of us have come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. 
But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The gifts have a purpose in us. I mean, you have a gift. Each one of you have a particular gift that is absolutely necessary in the work of this particular flock, this particular group that God has, has called together. And that, that gift will be used in order to equip us for the work of ministry that we're to be doing, in order to build us up, to encourage, in order to lead us into unity, in order to help each of us on this journey to grow in maturity in Christ. With the ultimate purpose, the ultimate purpose then to make us a people who are growing in love. I mean, that's the way of heaven. That's the way of God's kingdom. That is then our ultimate purpose. I was uh, away at a, um, the, we, uh, yesterday at a um, presbytery meeting up in Pennsylvania. Um, it was uh, uh, with uh, um, ECO, our, our new denomination. And at that meeting, Jerry Casper, who's from Columbus, was preaching. And he was talking about the gifts. And uh, he, he said, you know, the gifts are not made for individuals. The gift that he gave to you is not for you. And he went on to say, you know, if you were on a deserted island, then your gift would be useless. You could, you could have the gift of leadership. What good's that going to do on a deserted island? You, you could have the, the gift of being an apostle. Well, if you're on a deserted island, who are you going to to send the message to? You're going to get with the coconuts? So the gifts are absolutely useless individually. That was a new thought to me to really consider that. That the gifts are there for the body, for the people, for everybody else but you. And so when you're not present with your particular gifts, there is a hole. There's a piece of the puzzle that's missing We are on this dangerous but most significant journey as a team, as a group of people that the shepherd has gifted in certain ways and brought together in order to, uh, to bring life instead of death to one another so that we mature and grow in the faith and live into the, the fullness of what we've just been singing about, of God's love and grace and mercy in our lives so that we don't get stuck or so we don't come to the point of chunking the faith, but that we continue to grow and deepen in our faith with one another. I mean, it is life-giving. It is a life and death journey we're on together. And we are also called and gifted on a mission, not just for the body of Christ, but then to be in ministry outside of this, this place, to carry this word of truth, to carry this power of healing, of freedom in Christ to those that don't know Him. I mean, it is truly for them as well a life or death proposition. 
That's the journey that we're on and the significance of our doing it together. Um, Mark chapter 6, verse 7 uh, and, and through verse 13 is then Jesus telling his disciples uh, and sending them on this journey, on this arduous, dangerous journey, on this most eternally significant journey together to, to fulfill this mission. These are um, Mark chapter 6, verse 7. Jesus, he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. That's really important there. It's important to note that Jesus called twelve. He called a team from the beginning. He called a group from the beginning. And then when he sent them out, he sent them out two by two. Now, yeah, in my mind, in pure math, that's really inefficient. Right? Send them out ones because if they can just go out one by one, well, that's twelve people, you know, proclaiming and living the message. In 12 different places. But he cut that in half and said, no, they need to go out two by two. It's that African proverb that I've shared with you a couple times. You know, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And that was the case throughout the scriptures. Jesus sent folks. I mean, there's Elijah and Elisha. There's Paul and Barnabas. I mean, they went out two by two or even more in groups of people that he sent them out. So he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. Now get this. It was more important that they go with another person than that they go with food and money. It was more important, their relationship with the other person that they went out on mission, than that they had any extra money in their wallets or food in their bags. That's how important it was to go with another. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The results then of going out two by two, going out as a team in the authority that Christ had given them. God bless you. That's the team that we're on. A team with this kind of authority. A a team with this calling to go forth in His authority, in His power. The responsibility has been given to us as a team. If you thought the Christian life was just to come to know Jesus so that therefore you have your ticket punched for heaven, I'm sorry, that's not the good news. This good news is one where we go forth in the authority and power of Christ together in order to call people to repent, to come to know, to turn and follow after Christ. Where we we call on others with words of of healing and hope and freedom. It's a significant, eternal, dangerous mission that requires requires our one-anothering in Christ. 
that requires us to be on a team with each other. There is no place in the Christian journey to fulfill this mission individually. Just by yourself. It doesn't work that way. It's too dangerous, too arduous of a journey. It is too necessary that we connect with one another. So this one anothering with Christ, it is not just for our own comfort and peace and help, and that it's, it's, it serves that as well, but it is even for a greater mission together. One that is life and death in the balance. Now, one of the ways um, that we've uh, thought about uh, doing uh, that here and that we're instituting uh, now, an option for us to consider is the missional communities. You got an article about it in your uh, Hot Off the Press and mentioned it a little bit the last two Sundays as well. And I asked uh, Andrew to come and uh, speak to what those missional communities are um, a little more detail as the expert. The expert. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Drew. Uh-huh. Well, my name's Andrew Wells. I'm the expert at all <laughs> things missional communities, apparently. <laughs> that was too loud of a laugh. Sam's there. <laughs> um, okay, so a missional community, it's in there, all the details. So really all I want to share is maybe two practical, what, what it might look like, uh, what a missional community is. But if you look at the, there's a little drawing in there. It's really sad. Uh, that's your expert making a really cool drawing. <laughs> I'm not an expert at cool drawings. Uh, it's, there's a triangle on the top, and it says up and out. Really key idea behind this is that it's about our relationship with God, relationship with one another, uh, and relationship with the world that does not yet know about Christ or areas in the world where Christ is not king. Uh, sometimes I've been in small groups, and it's great up. We learn about the Bible. We, we're growing our relationship with God, and we're really good friends, and then we go home. And that's good, uh, but we are on mission. That, that's what we're called to, that's what Christ calls us to. Like you said, if it's just a, a ticket to heaven and we become better people, I think we're missing out on God's calling in our lives. I've been in groups where it's, we're really good friends and we're doing good work, but God isn't in the midst of it. That's good, but, you know, <laughs> it's not eternal then. Uh, and you get burnt out pretty quick, I think. Uh, I don't know if I've been in a group where it's all about God and doing stuff, but we aren't friends, uh, but... That would be empty as well. So the idea of a missional community is that it's people that would commit to one another, families coming together, uh, single adults coming together. What It's a mix of people coming together and saying we commit to each other and we commit to this mission that we're on. Uh, we had uh, dinner at uh, the Wilbur's house this last Monday, and it was the, the Wilbur's, the Martins, the um, Williamses, and uh, the Wellses. Uh, we all hung out and had dinner, and it was chaotic, and it was a disaster, disastrous, wonderful mess, because there are 20 kids and then just a few little adults, and it was scary. Uh, and they aren't, they're, they're just wonderful children. But what was cool about it was that partway through the night, uh, some of the older guys would take uh, some of the kids and go somewhere with them and I think play video games and some would take uh, some of the other kids and we're left with just the squirrely ones that wanted to crawl all over you. So we had a great deep conversation and we had dinner together and it was wonderful. Uh, and this is a group that says we, we care deeply about kids that don't have families or don't have a, a support system where they're being cared for and we're going to do something about that. And we all commit to that together and you're on a team with people to say, let's do something about that. And it's so encouraging because it can be hard. Uh, Mandy and I do safe families, or 
all our kids do safe families too. It's not just adults. They are engaging in that as well. And it gets exhausting to have someone else in your home, or at least it is for me, uh, to have another kid in your home that's doing who knows what and isn't the norm. And it's like, oh, this is really difficult. And to be able to have a group of people to go to and say, this is really difficult. They say, yeah, it is. And it's good, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. And you're encouraged and you go back into it and say, yeah, this is wonderful. So that's what a missional community looks like, I think. It's getting together, it's eating, it's talking, it's playing, and it's living on mission together. Uh, it's growing and asking the question, how is your soul, you know, and, and growing deeply and committed in relationships. Doesn't that sound good? Ah, <laughs> oh, it's really good. I, I noticed I was getting like monotone in my talk. I was like, oh, no, no, no. No, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. So uh, another one, I was just talking to Eileen today about doing one around uh, families and homelessness. I think it's really easy to start some of these groups because it's like, there's, who here has done anything with IHN before? Anyone done that? Interfaith Hospitality Network? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a, basically a homeless shelter that cruises around to different churches and different churches host families. That's good. Uh, but I think what if well, a dream would be what if then you got together outside of that and had a meal together and just talked about how great it was uh, to, to be caring for people. And then what? Uh, this is what I think is cool about a missional community. What if, as families are then finding housing, you invite them into those dinners too? Like, hey, remember we all hung out? We have dinner together too. Do you want to come? So then you're inviting new people into your community that uh, here's a family that was going through homelessness and now they're a part of your community. And then they start serving. And, you know, and they're a part of IHN and they're now serving families going through homelessness just like they were served. And it's just this beautiful picture of drawing new people in as well. And then if they don't have a church home, say, oh, you know, we have dinner together, but we also have this great church where we can be. So it's a great opportunity to witness and share about the love of Christ, the peace, and the grace that we have through Jesus Christ as well. So just a couple ideas of missional communities. I think everyone in here probably is a part of something that can probably morph to the idea of having that in, out, and up, those relationships really key in those uh, communities. So I, I don't know. I think that's Any questions? You got the expert here, and we got all this time. <laughs> Anyone? Well, if you do, or, or I don't know. If you have thoughts, I'd love to hear them. If you have ideas, like, hey, what if we did a community? I'll just say, yes, <laughs> let's do it, you know? We'll figure out what that looks like. It'll be fun. Thanks, man. All right. I'm ready. You? Yeah. We're going to go ahead and interview Drew Smith. We should get the whole Smith family. So which community do you think uh, would you want to develop one around? <laughs> He's ready. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What's something that's, that's uh, like a holy discontent you have? Like, man, this is really not okay, and I'd love to be with other people uh, to really be... Maybe it's like uh, rogue youth directors that get up here and talk for an hour. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what you're... What do you think? I, I would say the... Uh, the thing I'd be most um, interested in is saying how to uh, um, pursue communities that include everybody in the, the community. How the neighborhood um, can um, be for everyone that lives in that neighborhood. That's where I see. That's a tough one. Uh, uh, yeah. Do you want me to do an easy one? I, no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want All you right. to do the tough one. Okay. Uh, yeah, how do you form a community like that? Well, let's talk. Okay. If anyone else is interested in that, uh, get with Drew, get with me and the expert, and we'll uh, we'll form. That sounds really okay. cool, though. Yeah, some of them are going to be really easy to form because it's like, oh, you care about kids going through homelessness. 
I do too, so let's get together. And it's like a real basic, easy one. Oh, you care about kids at Pleasant Hill? I care. Let's get together. Yours is like some big vision thing I don't understand. Uh, so let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> All right, let's, let's pray. Dear gracious God, we uh, give you thanks for the, the possibility that you give to us, the, the, the reality that you give to us of being on mission with you, um, on being on mission with you together. That it, we're not just about building a, a, a community. We're not uh, just uh, about our own uh, personal um, salvation and growth. But you have, have called us to, to, to called each of us to yourself. You have saved us for a purpose. You have brought us together for a purpose. For a, a, a mission, a challenge that is arduous, that is dangerous, that where life and death are in the balance. Forgive us, Lord, when we set our sights any lower than that. Forgive us when it becomes about us. Forgive us when we isolate and just become individualistic. Help us, uh, Lord, to come together for your plans, for your purposes, for the fulfillment of your kingdom, for the salvation of the world in order to, to deepen us in you and to invite others out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. To fight the work of the evil one around us in those places and things around us that are broken. Oh, what a grand purpose you have given to us. We, we give ourselves to you Lord, we, we give ourselves to you individually and together. And whatever shape and form that takes, whatever kind of um, missional community or group or formation, we, we want what best will help us be on your mission with the authority and power that you've given to us. Lord, we, we take this time and we, we lift up one another. In, in the name and the, the power of Christ, we, we pray your, your healing, your, your life, uh, your, your strength to come to bear for your glory on one another, on each of us here. We pray particularly for, for Gordon Houston and, and Barbara Houston and Bob Spellman, all having um, been in the hospital and had surgery recently. We, we pray for your healing hand upon them. For Tom Chaporis and Linda Stifle, Dave and Wanda Kuyper. For Dick Towner who, who fell. and Pray for your healing upon him. And Lord, we, we give you thanks for one another as well. We thank you for Tink and for Helen. And just their, they, they model simple relationships with one another on this journey together. 
thank you for how each of them um, heard your, your call and called out to you and, and responded to your work in their midst to, to bring life. And now we, we give ourselves to you for that, that same purpose. There are others, many others among us and within us who may not be laying face down in their bathroom, but they are calling out to you. And you are guiding and leading us on our mission to, to reach out, to, to run over, to get into the house, uh, to call 911, to do what you're calling us to do, to pursue life in your authority and in your power. And so, Lord, when we, we come together and we, we seek to be your church without walls, we want to mean that. We, we want to, to mean that from the depth of our being, that we would be your church without walls. And so as, as we pray, Lord, not, uh, don't just hear our words, but continue to, to form our hearts and our very souls um, together in according to your plan so that we might lead one another and others to life. So we join together in praying this prayer. May we seek God's face together. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen.